I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Welcome to another episode of Friends with Friends. Uh, I'm Pete Allison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello. Good morning. Oh, oh, I've said good morning. It's not the morning for you. (laughs) No one's going to be listening in the morning. I've made the catastrophic error. But just so you know, dear listener, we're recording this at nine o'clock in the morning, which for podcasters is far too early. (laughs) Fresh Uh, as a daisy over there. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest is fresh as a daisy, as we'll come on to, and she's very smug about it. Uh, Pete, uh, why are we up so early, please? Um, Basically, for once in my life, I have plans throughout the day. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I just required it to be this early in order to uh, stick with those plans. And I'm very grateful that you've set an alarm clock just to come and record this podcast episode. Don't you worry, my friend. Don't you worry. I will get revenge at some other point in the future. <laughs> uh, quick bit of business, Pete, before we meet today's guest. Um, yes. We're doing another live show, aren't we? We are, which is very exciting at the London Podcast Festival. It is on. Write this down. I'll give you time to get a pen. There it is. Everyone's go scrambling around. Got a bit of paper. Write it on your hand. Uh, September the 14th. At 7pm. It's in London's London, uh, near King's Cross Station. It's at the King's Place, isn't it? That's what it's called. Um, This is the sort of thing I should have rehearsed and, you know, really just absolutely nailed in a bit of slick advertising marketing. Uh, But yes. You've given the essential details away. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely smashed it. And if you sort of look on our Twitter, at FriendsWF, or just Google London Podcast Festival Friends with Friends, all of that sort of jazz. Uh, Last year we had Alex Zane on it. It was very fun. Uh, We had a lovely time. Please do come and uh, make sure that it's just not me and Pete in a room on our own, because that would be really sad, wouldn't it? (laughs) I'm sure we'd both have a nice time. It's just we'd rather other people were there. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It'd be nice to see you, Pete. It's nice to be in the same room once a year. Exactly. Um, Today's friend on Friends with Friends is the wonderful comedy writer and host of another great Big Al podcast (laughs) called The Fear. Bit of uh, corporate messaging there. Bit of uh, corporate insight. We'll just be on each other's podcast forever. (laughs) Yes, please. Sarah Moore. Morgan, hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Sorry you had to sit through a lot of sort of just messages. Oh, no, I joined and... it. I was, I was staring at my phone. Oh, great. So, <laughs> while you were doing it, I was thinking, Dave sounds profesh. Uh, staring at my phone, buying tickets for Friends of Friends that's, Live. That's what I was doing. Yes, yes exactly. And the Fear Live as it's well. Un... The Fear the Live, as we're calling it. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. When is the Fear the Live? The Fear the Live is, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's like definitely longer podcast fest at that like little theatre thing near King's Cross and all that. Oh, I did it worse than you, Dave. It's in the it's, it's, it's same my, weekend. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the day after ours, isn't it? Is it? 
Uh, yes, it's at half past four on Sunday the 15th of September. Well, I do know if you buy three tickets, you get a substantial discount. Uh, so you could buy th- tickets to three Great Big Owl shows. And do you? Is that a thing? It is a thing. Oh, yes, at the podcast festival. Dave, why didn't you, you mention like that? On the radio. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that, Wendy. Oh, whites look nice. Jenny <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't know that, though, so that's really yes, good to know. Yes, buy, buy tickets for three shows, you get a discount. Dave, how much are tickets for Friends with Friends? I think they are £9.50 or something. Yeah. But what less. a buy! It is a bargain. The, but if you bought three tickets, I don't know if it works like that. You bought three of them, cheaper. Is it that, can you buy three for the same show and I it's cheaper? I don't know, no. but I do know about the other We thing. promise the live show will be more organised in this conversation. <laughs> yes, it will. It will. And maybe, who knows, Pete, in the edit, this uh, very messy marketing <laughs> message might be slick as hell, but let's I'll be honest, so. I don't think I've given as much to work with, so uh, we'll, we'll do our best. Hey, let's talk about Friends. Hi. Um, you love Friends, don't I- you? Absolutely love Friends. Yeah, I am a, a comedy writer. I think uh, Friends is, um, yeah, it's everything. It's just, it's like, a, it's a perfectly written sitcom. If you're interested, in, I, I sometimes teach a bit of comedy writing. And the first thing I do is, uh, if people are interested in sitcom, is get them to watch the first uh, first five minutes of the first episode of Friends, the Friends pilot. Okay. Uh, because it's, a perf- it's perfectly written in the sense that every single character comes in uh, says exactly who they are and says a joke. Yeah. Normally in the in the same sentence. Um, I wish I had it in front of me. You may if you want to look at the pilot, the pilot episode. The, 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 every single character comes in, states something about who they are. So Monica says something about being fussy. Right. Chandler says he had a weird dream. Uh, Rachel obviously comes in in a wedding dress, going, "I've just you know." Uh-huh. Um, every single character states who they are and says something funny and it's like that is perfect sitcom writing so yeah, it's good yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean the butt pilot is so good isn't it it's it's absolutely amazing. yeah Phoebe's sort of a little bit lost in the mix but other than that no complaints as yeah. in her character doesn't quite come through initially. they haven't quite figured her out yet I think at that point and Joey is very much in full sex pest yeah. <laughs> she's just yeah. I mean he's quite sex pest mode in this episode that we're talking about yes, so he listen, is, it, isn't he? it's not okay I mean we, we address the problems with friends as we go I know I'm, is, I've listened which, I, I, my intention when I booked on to do this was do a three-parter because, yeah. I, because Adam Hess did the two-part and I was like I'm going three four guys how long can we go for how we'll long does you whole need season. Maybe when do you need to go Pete at ten okay. Okay, lock the doors, Dave. Yeah. I mean, you're welcome to carry on after no, I leave. But maybe even after you've left Dave's, just keep <laughs> just going keep through talking. friends to yourself. Yeah. Just keep yeah. saying friends things to myself. We'll just yeah. leave the we'll just leave the microphones recording yeah. for as long as you want. Um, I may have overcompensated with coffee <laughs> for this earlier. <laughs> how did you um how did you choose your episode? How did well, I I basically yeah, I worked backwards from my favourite ever joke in friends. Yeah. Um I think when you when, uh, when we had the conversation about reading the show, I, I said, uh, I'll have the one that has this joke in it. Yeah. And you must have Googled it or something. <laughs> and it's the one with Rachel's dress. Yeah. So that was, I think there's there's a joke in this episode. And I don't know if you want to build to it and talk about the plot and yeah. how we get there. It's nice to build, isn't it? It's, it's nice, nice to have a bit of suspense. A bit, a bit of, well, it's, there's, there's some world building to go on to before. You can't just say the line. It makes no, no sense out of context. But it is a joke that Rachel says and that I honestly, the, I think when I saw it and I would have been... What, what year did this episode come out? So this is season four, so 1998. 19, 1998. So yeah. I would have been 18. Yep. I would have been living in a very horrible flat just above a Chinese restaurant and a motorbike shop. Lovely. <laughs> Smelly and noisy. Yeah. Uh, in Bristol. But you were like the perfect age then for watching Friends when it first perfect. came out. Well, it was, it was, they did, they did, um, I think it was two episodes back to back on E4 or was that later? That was a 
Probably a bit later, yeah. Because that definitely came back into my life, the the double bill on E4 and then repeated again on E4 plus one. Yeah, you could literally watch the same two episodes twice. Yes, oh yeah. You would have two hours of your life would just be, yeah, two episodes and then watch them again. That was, yeah, so that would have been the mid-noughties, wouldn't it? So definitely I would have seen that and I think, yeah, that joke, the joke, because it's a strange episode because it's sort of half horribly old-fashioned. I can't immediately think of the joke that you're referring well, to. Well, we'll build up to yeah, it. Yeah, we will yeah. be. It'll it's, be the whole uh, finale of the episode. So the, um, I mean, I've literally just watched it as ah, well. Maybe, maybe it doesn't resonate with men as much as a joke. But yeah, it really moved me, that joke. It made me, made me think, oh, I didn't know you were allowed to do jokes like that in sitcoms with girls in and... Girls had to be a certain way in sitcoms and they were always sort of, you know, Friends is always amazing for not having their female characters doing that stuff. The normal stuff. The normal stuff. But it certainly, I, I think they were still mostly written by dudes. Yeah. And to have, clearly, I mean, I can't wait. It's two female writers on the episode, Amy Toonan and Jill Condon, uh, which is a fun name to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun name to sort of just check you've got right. Condon. Condon. Uh, who, yeah, who are credited as the writers on the episode. So, with writers' rooms, you can never tell who came who up with what line wrote, yeah. and whatever. But I would put money on it being a lady in the writers' room coming up with that gag because it's so unexpected. Let's get to it, shall we? It's season four, episode eighteen, the one with Rachel's new dress. Here is the uh, Wikipedia-provided summary. Uh, Phoebe has been allowed to name one of Frank and Alice's unborn triplets, prompting Chandler to have doubts about his own name. Meanwhile, Ross worries when Emily and Susan start bonding over in London. And Rachel soon realises she's made a mistake when she wears a revealing dress on a date with Joshua. Now, they are sort of like three bits of the whole yeah. thing, uh, as always with those summaries. But where where shall we start? We've got Phoebe and the children mm. naming ceremony. Uh, yeah. We've got Rachel's dress or we've got Ross, Emily and Susan. Oh, gosh. What do you reckon, Pete? Oh, uh, giving, giving Pete the choice, are we? I know. I just, I, it feels a bit lonely in over and leave. I haven't, had the, I haven't had the choice since the very first episode. No. Um, let's, let's go with Ross first. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. I think we'll build up. Yeah. Well, this is it's good because it's kind of old, this story. Like, as, not as an old, like, but the, but Joey in this thread is, is yeah, jo- so Ross thinks it, that Carol and uh, Emily are going to uh, les up in London because <laughs> they're going horseback riding into poetry readings. <laughs> I mean, firstly, who's going horseback riding in London? Know, Where are you going? Are you going? Like the Queen's Guard yeah. or something. That is such an American um, like view of Britain, isn't yeah. it? Of just going, well, they're in Great Britain now. They must be on horses somewhere. But yeah. have you ever been horseback riding in London? Nobody has. He does quite a lot of London stereotyping because he says, after going to the theatre, going into a pub for a few drinks and just hearing him say pub and things, it feels yeah. sort of painfully stereotypical of London but we have had that whole episode in London where they yeah. just show shots of London buses and phone boxes and things so that is very much in keeping He lo- the, the next episode because it started playing on when I was watching this the next episode it starts with him having his ear pierced and Emily saying oh I can't believe you got your ear pierced and he goes yeah look at me I'm David Bowie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I know they... it's now a good time to talk about yeah. I mean let's do it because yeah I mean this is a good point actually yeah. you, you've, you've recently been working with I have been working with David Schwimmer so I wanted, I wanted only because I might start saying terrible things about Ross who is an amazing awful character and I would like to make it be known that I am not actually talking about the character and not got, the very fine actor who I've been working with recently who's playing him. He's so good, isn't he? David Shrim was amazing. Yes, you got I any shrim goss? No gossip whatsoever oh. because he's brilliant, professional, well-dressed, smells nice. Does he? Uh, what does he smell like? This is goss. This is great. Uh, I mean, just like a, like, a, like a clean man, like a clean, like a good clean man. He wears nice clothes. 
He's uh, very easy on the eye. Mm. Uh, in a professional manner, uh, <laughs> he's he's uh, uh, yeah, and he's very funny, and he's a brilliant actor, and he can still do things with one syllable uh, that he does in Friends. You know, like a, like a yeah or a what yeah. or a uh-huh. and yeah. it, and you just floors people. He's great. Uh, uh-huh. Yes, I've been working. I've been uh, working on a show called Intelligence for Sky Atlantic, and it's been a pleasure, oh, an absolute pleasure. Great. The only goss I have is that. Uh, it was the other story producer, Andrew Ellard, me and Andrew Ellard, a story producer on the show. And we, uh, it was his birthday. And Nick Mohammed, whose show it is, um, got him a cake because he's lovely. And um, uh, he came out in the middle of quite an important meeting with a Colin the Caterpillar cake <laughs> from M&S. And I've never seen anyone look so sort of like politely confused by a cake than, than David Swimmer. He was just like, and we had to sort of explain the entire culture of Colin the Caterpillar cake. It's a weird cake. one, isn't it? They're very odd because they're like a, for the listener who doesn't know about Colin the Caterpillar, they're like a whole Swiss roll wrapped in chocolate with like a big, the important bit is got a big solid chocolate face yeah. and big solid chocolate feet. Everyone wants those bits. Though, everyone wants those bits. Dave, explain your um, birthday party involving Colin the Caterpillar. Yeah, I've what? got a Colin the Caterpillar story as well. Oh strangely. yeah. For my 30th birthday, unbeknownst to me, 30 of my friends had uh, gathered together each to buy a Colin the Caterpillar <laughs> cake. But they... <laughs> They presented them as if it was a coincidence on the night, and it Brilliant. took me so long to <laughs> cotton on. Like the first three, I was like, "This is mad, guys!" And I was telling everyone, I was like, "My dad was there." I was like, "Dad, look, everyone's this is so mad. What's so weird?" And everyone played along so well. It took me till about twelve to be like, "Hang on, this is something's awry here." Yeah. And then yeah, so I ended up with thirty Colin the Caterpillar cakes, That's and beautiful. for my thirtieth birthday, I got diabetes. <laughs> Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So you had thirty faces. Did you eat all the faces yes, yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, because that's the, the rule with Colin the caterpillar cakes. The birthday boy gets the face, and, and I got to say that <laughs> to David Swimmer, <laughs> to David Swimmer, Ross from Friends actor in his own right, David Swimmer, and I had to go. Yeah, David. The thing is, uh, birthday boy gets the face. Uh, you're right with that. You could have a shoe, and he was. He was fine with that. That's great. Anyway, sorry, we've really yeah, so sidebarred, but yeah, I just fine. wanted to, because I know that probably at certain points I'm going to say something along the lines of, Ross is a cunt, isn't he? <laughs> he is awful, <laughs> isn't he? Sorry, can we say that word? Yeah, yeah, say whatever you want, mate. Uh, but Ross is a cunt, right? So, I mean, I love Ross. He's one of TV's best villains, but yeah, um, yeah he's a terrible, yeah. This is a, a, a not a good Ross episode as well, is it? He, oh. all his worst traits come out in this. So, so the thing, if you haven't watched it recently, so um, Susan and Carol meet Emily for the first time. Then, oh, there's a really weird bit where the, where Ben... So, yeah, cause Ross is getting off with Emily on the sofa. Yeah. And he's like, 17 minutes, we can fuck twice. Yes, <laughs> literally was that, he says, it? So there's yeah. something like, yeah. And she's like, ooh, isn't your son coming? <laughs> and then this, and his son arrives and there's no sort of segue from like sexy time to the nope. son walking through. And she doesn't say hello to the son or greet the son or acknowledge the son. And I mean, I know child actors, but... Ben gets a rum deal, doesn't he? Ben gets shoved into the corner. Yeah, but with that haircut... Can you blame him? He has Aww. he has the like <laughs> peak Ben Bowl haircut in this episode. And, it's dreadful. Yeah, and his mum. Uh, yeah, so Emily's left a bra in the bathroom. She's like, oh, I've left a bra in the bathroom. Hope that won't traumatise your son. Well, if you're worried about it, don't leave a bra in the bathroom. Yeah. Also, Ross's justification for leaving the bra in there is something like, well, mummy can have a wife, so daddy can have a bra. Yeah. Like, that's 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 not an equal thing. It it would be very confusing yeah. for a young child to find that. It's good that. There are bits of friends that are really, really eggy and inappropriate now. Because if they weren't, then it meant society hadn't moved on at all. The mm. alternative would be That's they were all fine true. and life would be exactly the same as it was yep. 25, 20, 20, 25 know, years ago. 25 years ago. 25th anniversary this year. Oh. I know. No, if it wasn't sort of 
or you know horribly eggy in places then 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 life would be the same much inferior <laughs> much in, but life would just mean that we hadn't evolved in any way shape or form so i'm happy with the eggy bits they remind us that we have in time when it feels like that's a really nice way of looking yeah, at thanks, it isn't dude. it yeah, yeah. that is really good yeah. there's that scene isn't there where they all uh, phoebe monica and rachel all clock that ross is very jealous <gasps> and all provide really these good. examples and it it's it seems to be at that point that the penny drops to them that that's like but i feel like as a viewer, given the whole Rachel Mark thing, we've kind of worked that out before they have, haven't we? Well, there's that, that scene, uh, peak Ross is is him going to her office when she's working late. Cause he's yeah, with the love bug. With the, yeah. with, the, with, the, with the picnic yeah. and setting the... And oh, the barbershop just... quartet and all oh, of that. It's so beautifully written, that, because it's so brutally, painfully relatable to every bad relationship. And yet it's ridiculous. It's a man with a barbershop quartet saying, setting fire to things. Yeah. But it's... Like, and yet... And yet it works. And yet it's just... Because it's an absolute kernel of truth that's been like... The faders have been pushed up to fucking mental on it. Like, it's... But but that's good comedy. And in this episode... Yeah, the gang all just turn on him. But that's tough love. It's gorgeous. They all just tell him, no, you're horrible. We're in relationships because your wife fucked you over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got deep psychological issues after after the divorce, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, in an era when you can't even talk about your wife being a lesbian without your friend going, yeah! (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's like Ross is opening his heart about all this stuff. And Joey's just in the background going, humana, humana. (laughs) (laughs) Honk, honk. Because that, that's in the, that starts in the pilot, doesn't it? I think that is very early on. Ross goes, I think my wife's a lesbian, and Joey goes, "Cool, yeah, <laughs> like, she is." Cheers, yeah. guys. What a what a sensitive way to deal with it. And that's before Ross had even met Joey. Um, so yeah, he Ross goes into a bad place at this point. So yeah. uh, Susan and Emily inexplicably are now taking a trip to London very quickly. Yeah, she's working there, but we never really know what she does. So she's never said what Susan's, Susan's what shooting Susan's a doing? commercial there, oh. and this is the only time I think from memory that. Is she a we, director, yeah, um, an right. actor? She's got a cool job and we don't hear yeah, about it. cool job? Well, why would we? We hear a lot about Chandler's <laughs> shit job. Yeah, exactly. But we hear nothing about cool... Susan is... Well, she's a sitcom wife. Ah, yeah. she has no agency. No, she doesn't. There you go. But she is a cool character. Yeah. I do like Susan. Mm-hmm. I think she does. she's an underrated character. She's a really good actress as well. There's that lovely bit where Ross, where it's like, oh, he doesn't like me. Yeah. And, and Ross just goes, yeah, you're yeah, right. It's like, true. Beautiful swimmery. Yeah, so so uh, Emily and Susan are now in London, going horseback riding <laughs> inexplicably somewhere. Going to pubs, having electricity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just all the classic British things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just Ross kind of spirals, doesn't he? And it, and, and, and it becomes one of those mm. horrible Ross jealousy episodes. There's a lovely bit of, bit of story building in it. And is it, you know, when you've got a plot where it's all reported and nothing. Because you know, you're not seeing what's happened. Because yeah. you're not seeing what's happened. It, it has to build without anything actually seeing anything on screen so he's slightly concerned about it and then he talks uh, to Susan about it and she says something he says like well you're saying there's not a chance that something could happen and Built winds her up until she goes, oh, I suppose something could happen. He goes, oh, my God, I didn't until this moment. It's just a nice bit of building because yeah. he thought he was a bit worried and then he's really worried. And then everything's fine at the end. So he has gone on a little journey, even though nothing's the... really happened. Yes, yeah. that's true, isn't it? Yeah. And the the scene at the end when there's a couple of things at the scene at the end. Did you notice when they so the post credits roll when they are arriving back at the airport? Yes. And Susan and Emily both they're arriving back on the same flight. Like, it's yeah. there's a lot going on, yeah, which yeah. I'm not quite sure of. Uh, and they come in and... They hug and she kisses her on the cheek, doesn't she? And yeah. Ross, Ross delivers that awful, look, ooh, cool, no tongs line to Carol. And he's like, <laughs> oh, God. 
Um, but the best thing about that, if you watch it back, is we talked about this. I think Adam Hess brought this up recently. Is the the things the other characters do towards the end of a scene when the sort of scene yeah. is just beating out mm. and when as it's lingering, Ross, yeah. yeah, and as Ross is going to Carol, oh cool, no tongues. <laughs> Emily and Susan are just staring into each other's <laughs> eyes lovingly, saying nothing, they're not having a conversation. <laughs> And if you go and watch that bit back again, it is fucking weird. It just looks Well, if they're mad. silently staring into each other's eyes, then hey, maybe they are shagging. Maybe they got it on. Yeah, well, that's it. There's a really nice moment where the two two of these plots intertwine where um, they're choosing the names. Oh, and Ross comes, Ross yeah. comes into the apartment and he's moaning about Carol and Susan and and Emily in London and all of this sort of stuff. And <laughs> uh, sort of out of nowhere, from his perspective, Phoebe goes, yeah, I really don't like the name Ross. <laughs> and he says, what a weird way to kick me when I'm down. He it's delivers so that line brilliantly as well. That is a great Ross it's line. That is so well done, isn't it? Yeah, he does. He looks so wounded. And it's, yeah. it's genuinely just... hurt. Like you actually want to give him a hug, despite him being a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of Schwimmer. Yeah. <laughs> from like a writing point of view, though, I guess that, that those are the like those nice little magical moments where you just go, oh yeah, this is, this is when nice you know that someone's going to do that yeah. with, well, that's a weird way to kick yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah is it, it, uh, yeah, and the um, and then what happens? Yeah, after that is uh, she just go, she goes, yeah, I just don't see this kind of thing happening to the, the Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great joke as well. You're going like, I do like the idea of a the yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's should we come on to the should, oh, we, yeah. should we move on to plot number two? Mm. Um, I think we're sort of we've put Ross and Emily and Susan to bed, haven't we? I mean, ironically, what um, were they in bed? Hamana, hamana, hark, hark. Turns into Tex Avery Wolf because his friend's in pain and talking about his wife. Oui. Oh, your wife's a what now, Hummer? Have you seen personal best? No, but I'm gonna. That it was a very strange time in the nineties. Like odd. there was just a tiny bit of gay visibility, and the the, the patriarchy was fine with it as long as you let them watch. Yes. That was essentially the message of all sitcoms. The patriarchy don't mind there being lesbians as long as they can sort of own it and stamp stamp all over it it's a very odd episode and like, all joey's it? like yeah yeah because <laughs> there is there is that scene isn't there where um where they're just, sort of, he's describing it's that one that you're talking about with yeah. emily and susan in the gym changing rooms yeah. together and, and yeah there's there's horseplay in the locker room or yeah, something yeah, which yeah. is you know obviously the kind of porn language but it's it's he's still talking about his missus having yeah. an affair yeah, no. <laughs> and this is joey mate this is the second time this season he's worried about this happening as yeah. well. It's already happened. You know how yeah. deeply traumatised he is. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Awful man, Joey. Oh, I love Joey. So the naming. Right. This is one of those bits. We always have this on Friends with Friends where yeah, a guest will be like, hey, it's Norman Rachel's new dress. Mm. And your brain goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that plot line. <laughs> that was funny. And then you start watching it and immediately go, oh, this is also the episode where. And for yeah. me, this was that because this is a great, just this is a great bit of like storylining over a, 22 minutes, isn't mm. it? I just love start to finish the whole arc yeah. of this. Um, so it starts because, <laughs> I mean, there's a classic bit of just like absolute classic com- sitcom fodder when Phoebe comes in right at the cold open just with a drum. Oh, but a horrible joke from Chandler. Like the opening joke of this entire episode is so bad. Like it's so badly written that it makes me feel like, oh, was this, <clears throat> it is bad, was this draft it? 600? Yeah. And then he said that like this happens all the time where it's like kill, he might have said it in the moment and he got a laugh in the studio and everyone went, oh, fine, just keep the just, improv'd one in. Yeah. Because it's rubbish. She comes in holding a drum and he goes, oh, so it's true what they say. Pre- pregnant bellies do look like drums or something. <laughs> yeah, that's it's just bullshit, weird, that, that joke, isn't it? It's, 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 <clears throat> I don't understand why 
they are laughing at that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's some there's a lot going on behind that moment where I think like the studio once was tired. They hadn't heard him say that before. He said, "I'm going to say something dreadful and you're going to laugh." So they laughed. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, some it can't have been that because no. that's just it's a bad joke, isn't it's a, it? It's a it's, it's not even a joke. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just it's words. A string of words, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, in a sort of semblance of a rhythm. <laughs> Um, but we get this Phoebe's coming oh. in she can't play a guitar so she starts smashing this drum out and um, yeah. I mean smelly cat on a drum guys that is a vibe <laughs> I, um, I also love how genuinely into that Joey yes. is yeah. he's like really makes- feeling it isn't he yeah, yeah that's what makes this storyline to any time and this is the, the genius of friends is that A they laugh at each other's jokes mm. sometimes they don't always laugh at each other's jokes but much more than norm- in other sitcoms they laugh at each other's jokes and they really do care about each other like in, that sounds very sentimental but actually it's ridiculous things like Joey thinks she's brilliant yeah, it's the drum. So yeah. it's so nice isn't it it's very it's sweet just staring at you kind of get like- a bit of an idea as to what it's like when those two characters would hang out together yes. because it's they're very there's just one scene where Chandler walks in the room and they're just sat on the sofa and Phoebe's doing that drum roll and Joey's in, like amused by it like that's that's enough yeah. that's all they need to do when they're together Phoebe and Joey's a lovely combo and you can't do it that often because they're your sort of biggest you know, craziest sort of, and therefore most unrelatable characters. Yes. But the little moments between them is, yeah. When okay. jo- I can't remember what Joey says something about being reincarnated and Phoebe just goes, oh, you're brand new, baby. Yeah. Just, yeah. What a nice thing <laughs> to say to your friend. It's so like, sweet, isn't it? brand new. They do have the, probably the sweetest relationship yeah. just on like that friend level, don't together? they? Uh, no. No, Phoebe's a, sex monster and he's very I'm assuming quite (laughs) vanilla in his well she is but that's what's again great bit of characterisation for her every now and again you get a little hint that she's absolutely filthy Mm. and and they play it very sparingly, but when she gets together with our not Mike? his area, Mike, yes, yeah. and there's, she sort of says to him, "I've been chained to a radiator yeah. or something." And it's there's all that like, stuff about banging the headboard like a sailor on leave as well. Yeah, <laughs> and she seems to have this string of lovers. It's like uh, Alec, not Alec Baldwin. Who am I? Talking yeah, about? Alec Baldwin. Adam Baldwin's one of her lovers. Alec Baldwin, uh, yeah, takes uh, to that wedding what, in Massapequa, doesn't it? Yeah, and who am I thinking of? Um, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. She's got this sort of string of lovers, and they all seem to have uh, something interesting about them. Yeah, but it's never, it's never laid on. She's not like a sex person like Joey is. It's just this kind of weird hint to she's into some stuff, and then when Mike says, she says to Mike, "I'll oh, do me some favour, and I'll make, I'll do really rude stuff in bed or something," and he goes, "I mean, I don't know how to say this, but how rude can I get?" And she goes, "Oh, you sweet." Yeah, it's true because Joey is the sex person, like you say. Yeah. But you, there's the, I mean, there is an episode, isn't there, where Joey goes down on a girl because he can't have sex because he's doing a medical yes. trial, and that's like for him <laughs> really yeah. pushing the boat out. Like that's he's it. like, oh, sometimes he doth venture south. <laughs> yeah, so he's the sex yeah. person, but he's definitely you know doing it missionary for fifteen minutes and the end, yeah. isn't he? But that's in the pilot, isn't it? Monica sleeps with. Someone for, on a first date. Paul and, the wine guy. Yeah, they had they had to ask the, you know how the body the the test audiences hated it. Yes, um, and they yes you've probably covered all this on the no 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 we episodes. haven't actually on the podcast I don't think no. Have you covered? I mean I don't want to stray too far down different paths, but have you covered Pat the cop on this show before? No. You know that? Do you know covered about Pat what? the cop, Pete? No. Uh, it's so when the show first started, there weren't shows about twenty somethings on air. Yeah. Um, so when they pitched the show, the network said, we like it, but just there are 20-year-olds don't watch telly. They won't watch this. We want, we need to get something that's going to get our normal audience yeah. uh, interested. What about if you have a character in it called Pat the Cop? And Pat the Cop will sit in the corner of Central Perk and he'll be like 
uh, a sort of cop in his 50s and he'll say sarcastic things about these stupid um, God, millennials, don't fucking millennials, were they? what were they called, Gen, Gen Xers, Xers uh, yeah. with, with their coffee and their IKEA furniture. And yeah, there was going to be like a kind so that of... that was going to be the whole sort of structure of the sitcom. Yeah, it was going to be a sort be of Ted, uh, like a, like a, like Niles a is dad. Old, uh, yeah, like Niles' dad right. would sit on the corner and he would be your linchpin for the show as these foolish young people with their giant coffee cups. And I mean, that show would have lasted... Uh, most one season. It's amazing, season. isn't it? Yeah. Like, but, but, but it's it's this great. It's the reason why there's sort of no dad figures in it at the beginning because the writers quite rightly went, no, we're just not going to do that. That would be horrible. That would be horrible. And so there's they're all sort of dadless. There's no sort of like soothing older male figure in the show, which there normally is in most sitcoms. Yeah, so true, isn't it? So he's um Enter Richard. Uh, yeah, well exactly. Yeah. Richard didn't come until, along until right, ages. Until Monica starts sleeping with him. And they all soothing wanted, older man. Yes, yeah. exactly. But they all wanted Richard to be their dad. Yeah. But immediately. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that interesting? Because none of them really I mean even Elliot Gould is sort of a child in the show, isn't yes, he? He's he, wonderful. Wonderful dad. But, Absolutely but, wonderful. Jack yeah. Gallup. Dave, anyway, Dave Cribb's favourite character, I think. You do. Overall, I think. I so. mean, he's got my favourite Elliot Gould thing is in the Adam and Joe Friends parody. Oh yeah. Again, I assume has come up on this before. No, it hasn't. No. Uh, it's where they it's got do... a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's so much. Just get it all in. Uh, the Adam and Joe Friends parody, which is brilliant, even though they said the show's a shit. It's hit. Yeah. Uh, hit, hit it's shit. You watch it anyway, yeah. which is like, no, it's not shit. I love this. Yeah, how, yeah, dare, yeah. how dare you, you hipsters? <laughs> uh, but they uh, they make a teddy bear look like Elliot Gould by sewing, I think, some yeah. arms onto Something. its eyebrows. <laughs> It's God, great. It's so good. Oh, I miss Adam and Joe. Yeah, me too. Um, they're not dead or anything. No, no, <laughs> they're, no, they're no, doing well. They're, they're fine, right, aren't yeah, they? They're, they're both they're, absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, so, so where were we? Oh, God, sorry. Uh, so, baby naming. Baby uh, naming. That's so, a yes. great storyline. I mean, we're she's... still literally at the start of the episode, aren't we? When, so she's got the drum. Uh, yeah. Then Alice pops in for up to a minute. <laughs> Yeah, like, but just, she gets a give, great line. Just give she, her a call. Yeah, they, yes, exactly. She comes into the coffee shop. But I mean, it's quite a big thing she's asking here. Yeah. You know this kind of really inappropriate thing you're doing with carrying my ch- my yeah. children? Can we make it more uncomfortable yeah. for you by giving you an emotional investment by naming one of those children? And yeah. that won't be weird at all. I love Phoebe's reply as well when she's uh, asked to do a favour of don't tell me you want to keep more of your stuff in my <laughs> uterus. <laughs> yeah, that's a really nice line, isn't it? And when um, a bit, yeah, but in, in a bit when um, the ch- he wants to call the child... Um, Oh, God, I've forgotten his name. Thingy Jr. Frank Jr. Jr. Yeah, he's got Frank Jr. Jr. She goes, oh, is that, uh, isn't that Frank the Third? And she goes, don't give don't. me stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a beautifully thrown away before. Yeah. yeah. So it, it transpires that she goes through all these silly names, the Hulk and all of this sort of stuff. And she decides she wants to name it after either Joey or Chandler. Mm-hmm. And then here in starts this sort of, yeah. across the episode, this battle of who has the better name and why you should name it after me. It's a great story, yeah. No. Um, no famous Joeys. Well, so, no famous Joeys, yeah. apart from Joey Buttafuco, <laughs> yeah. right? Who I didn't really know who that was. I did because I watched that Drew Barrymore um, uh, play play for telly. What's it called? TV film, TV movie uh, with Drew Barrymore. About um, Joey Buttafuco? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm, it was probably one of her early roles. I was quite the Drew Barrymore <laughs> aficionado in the 90s. Hello. <laughs> hey, did you know who Joey Buttafuco was? No, and I'm still yet to Wikipedia, whoever it is. So can you explain to me the essence of the joke? Don't Why Wikipedia Joey Buttafuco immediately. But okay. imagine, just take yourself into that moment where they're laughing about, like, it's so thrown <laughs> away. It's so like, oh, Joey Buttafuco, you know. Yeah. What a, in my head, he's some sort of, like, comedy character. Mm. you know from the TV in the 40s like you know do you know what I mean like an old school clown of some yeah, sort yeah that guy really hurt us and yeah that that's guy that's my really Joey hurt. voice even though it doesn't sound anything like him so. Uh, so here Pete is the first line of Joey Buttafuoco's Wikipedia 
Okay. Joey Botafugo is an auto body shop owner from Long Island who had a sexual relationship with a minor and subsequently oh, no. shot his wife in the face. <laughs> yeah, oh. the, the minor was played by Drew Barrymore in the, in the, uh, film. In the, in the TV movie. Astonishing. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, but they that's, are, a, that's quite a dark reference. Isn't it? It was around the same time as uh, Monica Lewinsky and um, the woman who cut her husband's penis off Bob. It was a time when when it was absolutely fine to make light of sort of sexy like, stuff. If, if, if there was a celebrity of them yeah, as well. Like, yeah, yeah, he would have definitely had a, mini, a reality show by... Yeah, he's on loads. Right. He was on celebrity boxing after yeah. this. He shot his wife in the face. Mm. This is what, So he became like a, well, like a reality TV thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they didn't really have those kind of documentaries back then, but he became a he was a big yeah, he was he was kind of a lovable household name along the lines of the Bobbit guy who got his dick cut. Well, off so and, this yeah. is it. In two thousand two, Butterfoco participated in celebrity boxing and it was originally slated to oppose John Wayne Bobbit. Jesus Christ. Isn't that I mean, thank God thank God that sounds so hang on. Worse now. <laughs> so <laughs> so he he yeah. did all this then became like a media personality. Yeah. Effectively, yeah. Jesus. Isn't that, um, there's so much to yeah. Pick apart, but it was just it was that moment because I've seen this episode so many times that I've never really <laughs> clocked. Oh, who's yeah. Joe Bafoco? Same with Raymond Chandler when I first watched it as a kid. I was like, I don't know who yeah. that is, but I don't really need to know who that is. I know it's a human. The end. Yes. And then so for the purpose of this, I looked up Joe Bafoco, and I was astonished, guys. Yeah. Um, real, real, real bad remember. moment. I think. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of curveball moments in there. References though, in there. Joe Bafoco is one. Yeah. They reference the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a real niche reference. I love uh, Phoebe's idea of a good name for a kid, and I wish you did. I did you, wish you did call the kid like the, the whole girl. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because that it's there is something really inappropriate about asking your surrogate to name one of the chips. I mean, how is that going to? I mean, we know we, we know how it plays out because Phoebe literally wants to keep a child. When yes. she, but that's that has been exacerbated by this moment, hasn't and, it? And and then never really speaks of them ever again because the trauma's too much. Yeah, that's you know. Poor old Phoebe. I'd love to see a remake of Friends, like the gritty remake of Friends, where you do exactly the same story, lines, but, but in a sort of drama, yeah. like dark drama way. Yeah, like Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get to the stage where uh, Joey takes the piss out of Chandler's name so much that Chandler starts to hate his own name. Yes. Um, and goes into this downward spiral. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to change it to this, that, and the other. Uh, there's a really nice moment where they say, all right, what would you want to be called? And he says, Clint. And then they say, absolutely no way. Yeah. Can you be a Clint? He said, what can I get away with? And they say, gee. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, that is a, that is the perfect name. Yeah. Gene. And then... I- and then they just they just keep saying, all right, well, God, bye, Gene. Bye, Gene. What's, what's up with Gene? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a friend called Gene, and I say, what's up with Gene? Quite regularly quoting <laughs> it's that. Done, their faces are so pure in that moment yeah. as well. I mean, Yeah, they've really bought God. into it, haven't they? There's, there is kind of that almost thing of like, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he wants to change his name. That's cool. We'll get behind him. We'll support yeah. him. Yeah, but, but, but it's going to be our name. It's definitely, he's definitely a Gene. He's definitely a Gene. Yeah. It's also how quick Chandler is to decide that his name is a massive problem for him. Like he doesn't have any real issue with it initially. And then as soon as one of them questions it, he's like, you're right. It's awful. I'm going to change it. But it's just a ruse, isn't it? It's a ploy. The whole thing's just a ruse. So, Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, and it's a great ruse because, you know, this is the punchline of the whole Mm. plot and it's done so well. (laughs) That moment where Phoebe eventually comes in and goes, you know what? I've thought about Mm. it. And, you know, Chandler's a great name and, by way of yeah. showing you that that's true, I'm going to call the kid Chandler. Yeah. And they have a nice moment. And, you know, Joey's kind of like, oh, yeah, I get it. And then Phoebe walks out and Chandler does that. 
<laughs> really like classic Matthew Perry uh, reaction moment. And and he jumped, Matt LeBlanc jumps so far backwards that he get, <laughs> hits an armchair and doesn't look back. That's how good an actor he is. He doesn't go, oh, I just hit something. What was that behind me? Which I think any human would do. But he's he? so in the moment. So he and so jumps acting. Back. He jumps back. You see him, he just sort of knocks against the um, little armchair behind him. And he doesn't turn around, which I think... That's quite a lot. That's incredible. That's isn't a, it? just a little bit of that's acting that discipline. I will never. That's being in the zone because they're locking eyes and they don't unlock uh, unlock their eyes. Yeah, you don't want to ruin that one take. No. Great take. Yeah, yeah, because you have to do it again for the studio once. They're not going to. You're not going to get that wrong. No, yeah. exactly. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. I've climbed up Nelson's column once before. These are small. And put it down in front of Backpush. I'm Julia Rayside. Join me and my guests as we dip into our favourite TV memories. You can't tell me what to do, you ain't my mother! I love it when a plan comes together. Come and tell us what yours are too. We've all been told we can't discuss nominations. It's a bit of car air. Shut up with a novel on the top. I think I like you, Lovejoy. Find us on Twitter at Box Delights Pod and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The only other great Joey moment in this episode is when uh, Rachel knocks on the door to allow the birds into the oh. flat Joey's in and Joey opens the door doesn't see Rachel's been there has heard the knock and says hey how'd you do that yeah, and it's a great moment of Joey stupidity that is yeah that's really... a lovely interstitial moment isn't it it just sort of comes between those plots <laughs> yes um, it's a nice bit of overlap uh, which is coming Pete's very well linked as part of Rachel's new dress the... Du, 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 I, mean, I don't want too much build up onto this, but we're, it is the greatest joke ever told in sitcom history. In, sitcom history. in, in okay. feminist sitcom, her story. <laughs> Rachel's new dress. Sarah Morgan, I'm going to let you lead this section because sure. I want you to build up to this joke in yeah. whatever way you see fit. Well, where we are in this series now is that uh, Rachel has been pursuing Joshua. 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 
for some time. Uh, he's her client in a probes, but fine because mm. she's a woman, so it's okay. Uh, and she they, has a date with him. They are this is going to be their sexy date. Uh, for some reason, she invites him to their apartment. And Monica cooks the food for him, which is yeah. a lovely bit of bounce between the two of them, uh, Monica and Rachel, as they as they plan the menu for the meal. Yeah. What am I cooking tonight? Yeah. She lists off this beautiful <laughs> meal and Rachel goes, oh, I saw I was doing steak and chips or something. Yeah. And uh, Monica goes, no, I had some salmon. I, I, I had you some, had some, you some, had some salmon. salmon at the restaurant. So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's very funny. I butchered that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Writer, not performer. Uh, <laughs> I butchered it like a steak. Um <laughs> You can edit that, right? Um, we won't. Oh, good. No, leave it in. I think it makes me really human. Yeah. Um, so, Rachel uh, is getting ready for a sexy date. She asks Monica her opinion on some sexy negligees, mm. which is a very fun word to write down. Negligee. Is write down good... the word negligee down now with a pen. Negligee. Negligee. <laughs> Get that pen that you used to write the uh, podcast details yes. earlier, guys. This is a very interactive episode of Friends with Friends. <laughs> write down where a negligee yeah. to the recording. Ooh. Make sure, I think, I'm going to say it's Calvin Klein, that negligee that okay. she finally picks. Couldn't tell you, mate. But. Yeah, I'm guessing. I have a degree in fashion. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, she's going to wear a sexy negligee. They're going to do it for the first time. And that she cooks this meal at the apartment. And then the boys, duck and hen uh, chicken uh, spoil things because it yeah. turns out, and this is, I think, this is a, gl- a lovely bit of writing, a lovely bit of characterization. The reason why he doesn't want to stay in the apartment anymore is because he's frightened of farm birds. <laughs> Joshua, what, frightened a, of farm what birds. a great, what a yeah. great phobia to have. It's great, and it's so, it's so great because I think there's other lesser sitcoms would have made something quite boring, or they'd, have, they'd go straight to his house. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have any of that stuff being in their apartment. It would just be straight to his house. But it, it's this lovely build to, and it's such a weird detail as well. And he looks so freaked out. And she's so nice about it. So they're imme- it's immediately sort of changing the dynamics of what would happen in the dating storyline right. anyway. She's very much the aggressor in, yeah. the, in the episode. And they go to, they pack up all the food and they go to his parents house madness right? all it's, of that is madness yeah. right I have a question about the food because yes. what sort of condition would that food be in after being cooked salmon plated up <laughs> put in a bag transported across New York placed in a fridge and then seemingly reheated yeah well they didn't even get around no, to reheating they, they it they come they, they for dinner yeah they come they come on coming through the door carrying it in a flimsy carrier bag poor Monica <laughs> spent all this time cooking this amazing dinner and yeah. they just go out for dinner with them it's, it's almost like the sex was the more important part yeah. uh, of the whole deal. It was. There was so. I thought this. There was so much effort put into the food when this was clearly just a sex date. You know. Yeah. They could have easily just ordered a pizza. Who, after a big meal of salmon, as well, that's what <laughs> I mean. Feel it's sloshing about. Why are you making this big thing? You want to do the sex and as then they, order a pizza, as they say on Savage Love. Fuck first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah. So he, she, uh, they, they, they have the nice meal. Mm. They. Um, uh, they don't have the nice meal. Sorry, they they just start. She says, "Oh, this is such a babe magnet, this apartment." But it's he's actually staying with his parents for reasons of plot that are something to do with he's having some his work done on his place. Ha- yeah. I would be suspicious of that. I, right, I don't quite. Yeah, can I tell you my problems with the Joshua parental relationship? There's a lot of weird stuff going on in there. So he's living with his parents. Yeah, uh, for re- for some perfectly reasonable yeah. reason. So he can't live in his own place. It's a massive 
gorgeous apartment. Beautiful. Two, two floors. Two, two, like they they really sell you on how big <laughs> it is. Like, oh, it's got two living rooms. Like, that's going to come in into it later. They use the word upstairs about six times yeah. in one scene as well to be like, guys, it's got two floors. Yeah. Just so yeah. you know. Just so you know. Just That's really important for later. Yeah. Um, um, and, but there's a really strange moment, and we'll briefly jump ahead before we get mm. back, where Rachel's in the dress and his mm. parents are back. And Joshua's mum says pretty much the only line she says in the whole episode, which is, <laughs> those $500 were for groceries, darling. Yes! Which, on about nine levels, is fucking mad. Yes. So, A, she's, what, implying Rachel's a prostitute? Yes. Yes. To her face. Yeah. Straight up. She's basically mm-hmm. going, why have you hired a hooker? Yeah. Oh, great first impression on your son's new girlfriend. Yeah. When he's literally said, I'm here on a date yeah. with this girl yeah. who is, as far as I can tell, just in the bathroom. She could and have been she's naked fine. and they shouldn't have been surprised because yeah. they're on a date and yeah. they didn't think they were And he's a grown man and he's, right. yeah. And, and, and then, yes, then it's the $500 for groceries. He is a grown, <laughs> he's a grown he's man. He's a grown man, Sarah, with apparently his own apartment and a job. Yeah. Why are his parents, when they go away, leaving him $500 <laughs> yeah. for then, a week of groceries? And then apparently there's no food in the house That's because they say they have to go out to get food yeah. later on as well. Yeah, I mean, that the whole the whole story massively falls apart unless you decide that everyone is really into it. Sure. That's the only way I can <laughs> yeah. I can make this story make sense in my head. And to be fair, they do all play it like there's a fine line between we all know what's going on here and we're kind of interested to see where yeah. this goes. Because <laughs> otherwise it doesn't work at all. So Rachel, are you with this Pete? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Rachel, uh do you need to go? Oh, you're right. No, no, no. We've got a few minutes. We're fine. I need to hear what this fucking joke is first. Yeah. I, th- I, I think the thing, the important thing is that we build it up more. Yeah. Rachel has gone to the bathroom, getting sex ready, takes off her dress, is wearing the negle negle underneath it, comes out just as... Uh, uh, oh, no, because she comes out on her own. Joshua goes off with his parents. His parents turn- come back to the house unexpectedly, c- trip cut short from Europe. Yeah. Italy sucked. Friends. Sucks. Italy sucks. Who is that man? Do we know? I don't know who that man is. Pete, anyone anyone know? No, there's, should I recognise him? It's quite a telltale sign actually, because he delivers a line in a way um where so Rachel first emerges and Joshua's dad goes, I like her, she seems smart. Yeah. And it's I I remember watching it for the first time going, That's exactly like a that's a Chandler line. Do you know what I mean? That's delivered <gasps> like Chandler. That's Matthew Perry's dad. Is it really? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Matthew Perry's dad plays Joshua's dad. What a weird thing to be cast as, something that's probably not going to come back. I just like, just cast him as Chandler's dad, or just cast him as anything, but why in this really, like, peripheral characters... You can't cast him as Chandler's dad, because no, that was yeah. a weird transphobic yes. storyline. Yes, and there's a lot of problems with that. Uncomfortable, with although Kathleen Turner's got it. But actually, weirdly, I was thinking of Kathleen Turner, when Rachel comes out of the bedroom, and uh, of the bathroom, and she's on her own mm. in the sexy nighty, yeah. Joshua is with his parents in the hallway or something, um, and it's one of the... F- because she looks amazing, obviously, but also it's just one of the funniest bits of woman being trying to be sexy uh, performances ever. I'm, yeah. Like it's so like she the audience you see the studio audience going ooh, and then they just start laughing because she immediately sits on a, a piano, piano and then yeah. jumps up and then tries to sit on the sofa and sort of. And I think there's it's really hard to be funny and sexy at the same time. Mm. You must know this, Dave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I somehow achieve it, but it is tricky. Um. And I think that and Kathleen Turner and The Man With Two Brains are two of the the, the, the best performances of a woman being really, really funny while dressed up. Also in, being really, really yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, um, it's so it's so true, isn't it? It's such an impressive performance. Yeah, she sort of she jumps off the sofa and then she sits on the sofa and she just she's got too many legs for a minute. Like she, her legs are just flying around the place, and then she sits and she's, she's ready and it's great. And then yes, Joshua walks in and says, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And she goes, um, "Yeah, I know I can I do know. more than just cook." <laughs> and the voice she does is great. Anyway, all this good stuff. And then the da- the parents walk in. And he says, I like her. She's smart. Ad break. Yeah. Come back. They're still just staring at her. And then the most ridiculous plot ever happens, which is that she claims that she's wearing... <laughs> it's not a negligent it's, it's a real dress. It's a real dress because she works in fashion and she has a job. She's not a part of her job. She has to wear dresses to see if America is ready for them or not. And everyone goes along with yeah. this. <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah, that's like, fine. She, like, she even says, like, I'm going to make a note. She picks up a pen and paper from somewhere. Like, someone hands them to her. And she to writes, write down the dates of the London Podcast Festival. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, the negligee to her. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like they go along with it just because it's an easy way out of something incredibly awkward. Oh, I, I do not care how rubbish this plotting is because it gets you to where it needs to get to. And also, I think I do think everyone plays it like... Even Rachel, who is a character in her 20s in New York, you can feel the cogs turning where she's like, this is going to be a great story, yeah. which it turns out to be. Yeah. Then the dad says, well, we're hungry. Let's all go out well, to dinner. dinner. <laughs> and everyone goes, yeah, that's fine. Even though she two seconds ago said, this dress does not work and I know I, I obviously can't wear this in public yet. <laughs> there was a really easy get out there, isn't there? Just yeah. going like, well, as we know, America's not ready, so, so I'll, I'll just, I'll go, just some, go and get changed. I'll put some clothes on, yeah. yeah. But instead they, they all go out to dinner and then we get this... Just a magnificent cut too, which is the gang, uh, which is uh, Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica all sitting around. This is the joke, is it? And uh, this is the joke. We're this getting there. We're, getting we're, there. we're nearly there. I, I, I love it. it. What as a writer who isn't a performer, the, the idea that I'm going to deliver my favourite joke in history from a TV show, and I'm going to murder it. Yeah, great. Is really exciting yeah. to me. Like I'm just, I'm into it now. We're all so, excited. Aren't we, Pete? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's telling the story how they went to this restaurant. She was wearing the stupid dress. It isn't a dress. That's a se- very sexy negligee. And uh, she says, and then it was, it was the best moment was when the waiter came up and he dropped ice water down my back. And I jumped up and oops, my boob came out. And everyone looks horrified and she goes, it's okay. I got nice boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that wasn't, that was okay, right? <laughs> you did it well. You did it well. Yeah, it's okay. It. I got nice boobs is so six unexpected. Word, a six word. A six-word treatise in joy. feminist sitcom writing. It, yeah. There would be no Broad City without that line. There would be no Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. There would be, like, that joke. It's, it's so inspirational. Because yeah. she's not ashamed. And no, she should no. be. <laughs> but it is. It's very, like, it, we watching it back now, it's yeah. much less surprising, like you say, because yeah. of all the things that exist. But at the time, yeah. that moment would have been like, whew. She should have been mortified. Yeah. And and embarrassed. Oh God, it was the worst thing that ever happened. And actually, she's a woman in her twenties sitting on a sofa with her mates in a coffee shop, yeah. laughing their heads off yeah. about a weird sex thing that happens. To them. Yeah. And it's 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 perfect. It's anyway, perfect. the best joke ever from friends, as there far as I'm concerned. Done, sold. Yes, we, we can, got there. We can put that to bed now, Pete. Forever. There are no better jokes than that. Yeah. Uh, should we finish it off with the quiz? Yes, let's do the quiz. Here we go. Question yeah. one. What's Phoebe's first instinct for a name for the baby? Oh, ah. These are going to be all horrible because no. you're like, I know these are all on the tip I of do. my I do. These tip of my tongue and I can't remember. Sorry. Cougar. It's a na- That's yeah, it. A name that now these days has a bit of a secondary meaning, doesn't it? A very different meaning, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And Courtney Cox was in Cougar Town. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. What mm. uh, uh, question two? What two names does Chandler narrow his new identity down to? John Johnson or Mark? Mar- uh, Mark Johnson or John Markson? Yeah. Which is great bit of uh, sitcoming, oh, but I, also Markson, not a name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks I'm, even weird written down as it is. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I'm going to put questions. those names in my list of names for characters, and I can't think of names of characters. <laughs> yeah, John Markson, John Mark Johnson, yeah, yeah. and John Markson. Mm. Uh, we've already referenced this as well. You've uh, you've prepped well for the quiz. Which film <laughs> does Ross liken the Emily and Susan situation to? Personal best, Personal which best. I've not seen. No, I haven't have seen. Oh god, oh, there it is. Oh, it's about um, it's about female athletes. Sure. Um, Sounds sexy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, question four. Uh, what does this. Monica end up cooking for Rachel and Joshua? Now, there is a lot of detail here. Oh, I just stretched. Uh, see, I can, uh, take a run up. Uh, salmon on croup. Yeah. Some, oh, salad. This, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is some sort of salad. It's a specific salad. Oh, frizzy salad. Yeah. You, yeah. Frizzy salad, yeah. <laughs> With frizzy salad. Frizzy salad. <laughs> The salad comes with two other things. Oh, fuck. Uh, it's a very um, 2018 recipe, actually. It is. It? It's, it's very... very, um, it's very well, I want to say Parmesan, but they, that's just a thing people say a lot in... No, it's goat cheese, though. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, goat you, cheese you, and walnuts? Pine nuts. Pine, pine nuts. nuts. Yeah. You've got a lot... Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm. Also, then, wild rice and some roasted asparagus. Sounds really nice. It sounds lovely. It sounds too that. complicated for a sex date. Like sounds nice and yeah. oh, you'd be full. Although slow burning carbs. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of energy for the night ahead for <laughs> dinner with your parents. <laughs> for, for fucking in a nighty. <laughs> and question five. Yeah. Uh, Monica cooks the aforementioned dish. Uh, so Rachel doesn't have to cook her famous what? Baked potato and diet coke. Which, Correct. again, if I was given a choice of the two meals, I'd probably have that. <sighs> Baked potato. That is quite starchy, coke. though. Yeah, or you'd be bloaty. Oh, you you'd would. be very burpy. And gassy. Yeah, yeah gassy. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, in a nighty. All sorts of problems. Cake and baked potato. <laughs> um, hang on, how many did you get? One, two, three. We're going to give you three. Three and a half, because I give you half the, the, the frisée salad. What? Yeah, that was good. That's that a half good. point, right? Yeah. Hang on, how many points did I get for the meal? Salmon on oh. crew. Oh, well, there's salad. only one point in total for that answer. That's the right. thing. It's out of five. Yeah. I think it was a hard five point. things. Oh my god, mate! This is, What's the leaderboard on this? It's it's it's, it's <laughs> oh, fuck all I have. very very mixed <laughs> and also very much not documented anywhere. So okay, uh, you are. It's not not a shameful performance at all. Okay, you've done very well, uh, you. Sarah Morgan. Thank you very very. Oh, much. Thank, thank you, Sarah. Um, thank you. And uh, that's the end. I, I, I started. <laughs> Really so professed. (laughs) Thank you very much. And here's another thought. (laughs) Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.